Audible presents this brilliance audio production of Mad Jack by Catherine Coulter. To Leslie Delone, an excellent chef and flower designer, and best of all, a splendid friend. I hope we'll be singing Y and R together for a very long time to come. One. Sincere Townhouse, London, 1811, March 25th. Grayson Albemarle Sincere, Baron Cliff, read the single page one more time, then slowly crumpled it in his hand. Some letter, he thought, as he threw the ball of paper into the fireplace. Not many words on the page, but most of the few there were vicious and malevolent. He watched the paper slowly crinkle around the edges, then burst into bright flame. He walked out of the drawing room and down the long corridor toward the back of his home. He opened the door to the library, his room, all sombre and warm and filled with books and little else. The heavy dark gold velvet draperies were drawn tightly against the night, the fire low and sluggish because none of the servants had known he would be coming into this room at this time. They all thought he'd left five minutes before to visit his mistress. He thought of the damned letter and cursed, but not as fluently as his father had when he was so drunk he could scarcely walk. He sat down at his desk and took a piece of fool's cap from the top drawer, dipped the quill into the ink pot and wrote, If I receive another threat from you... I will treat you as you deserve. I will beat you senseless and leave you in a ditch to die. He signed his initials, G.S.C., slowly folded the paper and slid it into an envelope. He walked to the elegant Spanish table that sat against the wall in the entrance hall and placed the envelope onto the ancient silver salver that his butler Quincy cleaned every other day at one o'clock in the afternoon without fail. He wondered as he walked in the cold, clear early spring night to the apartment of his sweet Jenny what would happen now. Probably nothing. Men of Clyde Barrister's stamp were cowards. Carlisle Manor, near Folkestone, March 29th. There was nothing more to say, damn her. He was panting with rage at her, the ungrateful little bitch. He couldn't help himself. He raised his hand to strike her, then got hold of himself. If I hit you, Carlton will know it, and perhaps not want you. She whimpered, her head down, her hair straggling long and tangled and sweaty down the sides of her face. Silent at last, are you? I never thought I'd see you mute as a tree. It's refreshing for once not having to listen to your complaints and see those looks of yours. Silence and submissiveness are very charming in women, in you especially, though I'm just now seeing them for the first time. Well, perhaps it's over, eh? Yes, you've finally given up. You won't go against me any more. She said not a word. When he grabbed her chin in his hand and forced her head up, there were tears in her eyes. But still he frowned. He stared down at her hard, still breathing hoarsely from his pacing and yelling, but his face was no longer as flushed as it had been a minute before, and his voice, 
no longer trembled with rage when he spoke. You will marry Sir Carlton Avery. He will return tomorrow morning. You will smile shyly at him and tell him that it is your honor to become his wife. I have given him my blessing. The marriage settlements are agreed upon. Everything is done. You will not disobey me, or when I next see you, I will make you very sorry. He grabbed her chin again, saw the tears streaking down her cheeks, and smiled. Good, he said. Tomorrow you will bathe and wash your hair. You look like a slut from Drury Lane. He swiftly left her bedchamber, humming with his victory. Still, because he didn't want her to forget that he was serious, he slammed the door behind him. She heard his key grate in the lock. She heard his heavy-booted footsteps.